welcome to another edition of the Double A Team. I'm your host, Stephen Nagishi. Um, you're probably aware, looking and wondering, uh, where is uh, your other co-host, uh, Ken Fang, from the uh, Awful Announcing? Well, uh, tonight, uh, Ken is uh, uh, off uh, for uh, personal reasons, which we will uh, get to uh, at the end of the show uh, in detail. Uh, for uh, for you to explain. I know we said it was uh, going to come on around 7.30. Uh, sorry, it took a little bit to uh, get to the show, but uh, I appreciate all of you for joining uh, once again to another edition of the AA team. And more importantly, I appreciate your patience uh, if you've been waiting for a while. Uh, on the show tonight, if you saw the, uh, the graphic put together by Aldo, uh, Rising Pro Boxer Brandon Lee. He will join us very, very shortly uh, in a few minutes. And then we're also uh, interviewing uh, Pranav Ayer, who is the uh, founder of a amazing headquarters HQ, or I should say, which is a specific sports uh, website that is dedicated to covering Asian American athletes in both high school and in the NCAA level. So we are very, very excited. Uh, to have both gentlemen uh, on our show tonight. And uh, I want to apologize to both of them in advance. Obviously, I'm going solo. Uh, I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie to you, but I will uh, prowl through tonight. Um, and uh, more importantly, I hope, uh, you know, all of you will enjoy the show tonight. So um, let's see. If uh, Brandon is available, we're ready to rock and roll right now. Although, if uh, oh, all right, thank you so much for uh, joining us. And uh, joining us is the one of the rising boxing prospect in the world. He represents our AAPI <clears throat> community. Proud, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. Brandon Lee. How you doing, Brandon? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you? Thank you so much. Uh, before we go, I want to thank your uh, PR. Uh, executive uh, Steve Pratt for uh, help setting us this interview because I know we went through back and forth about the dates and time, but uh, and I know you're very, very busy with the training and everything, so I want to thank you for your time tonight. Well, thank you for having me, yes. I really, really appreciate it. So Hold on. let's – oh, sorry about that. I'm sorry. One second. I'm so sorry. That's all right. So sorry about that. So sorry. Wait, can you hear me? No problem, Brandon. Yeah, I can hear you. Sorry, I had it on mute just to make sure that, uh, you know, I wasn't listening to your conversation there. So Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, all right, let's get to it. Uh, you were born between uh, a Mexican mother and a, uh, a Korean father. Is that, that is correct? correct, yes. Yep. Wow. So what was it like for you growing up, uh, you know, obviously uh, having an Asian father and a Mexican mother? You know, what was the, what was it like, you know, the dynamics of, you know, growing, you know, multiracial? Um, to be honest, I didn't see much of a difference. I just thought I was like any other kid. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, you know, growing up, I looked 100% Asian. So, uh, you know, of course, the little the little comments I, I, I got from time to time. But overall, you know, I got along with everyone. Well, that's good to know, uh, especially the uh, the anti-Asian uh, racism that has uh, spiked in this country since the pandemic has happened, which we will get to in a little bit later as we go along. But um, tell us about your boxing history. When did you start boxing, and how did it really kind of start it for you? 
Um, I started boxing at the age of six years old, and um, I started boxing because of my older brother, my uncles, and my grandfather. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you were kind of like influenced by what they were doing, not what you were like forced or coerced into doing. Absolutely. You know, uh, at the time, I wanted to be just like my, my older brother. Ah, okay. Which your older brother, Johnny, I, I believe, is John. your... Uh, John, my apologies. Um, he is a part of your team. He's a trainer as well, right? You're along with um, your He's not. He's not. He's not part of the trainer, but he, of course, he's part of the team. Um, he's welcome to my camp anytime, and um, you know, once in a while he'll drop in and uh, he'll hold the medicine ball and do some workouts with me. Mm -hmm. Now, what was it like to have a uh, you know a father as your um, you know trainer? Because mm -hmm. we all know the history of you know athletes, where you know we, see, we hear horror stories of parents being so overbearing and stuff like that maybe in you know like in other sports where parents wild themselves out at the uh you know a little league baseball game or basketball games which turn violent you know which i'm sure you might have seen from time to time what was it like you know you having your parents guide you through those through those days um it was great because no one's gonna care for me the way my father cares for me and um you know at the gym my father's my coach and at the house my father's my father mm-hmm well, that's great to know. Um, as a having a Mexican mother, you know, we all know Mexicans are very, very passionate about fighting. Did your mother kind of, uh, you know, was she like a big fight fight fan or was she a little bit, uh, you know, like, I, I don't want my son getting hit like that? Um, you know, to this day, she <laughs> she doesn't want me to get hit. But, you know, this is boxing. I'm going to get hit. Um, mm -hmm. um, of course, she's a, she's a huge boxing fan. But at the same time, you know, uh, I'm her baby. <laughs> I understand mother's love right there. Yeah, exactly. We're talking with uh, Brandon Lee, a rising uh, boxing prospect and a future uh, champion with us on the double A team tonight. Uh, Ken Fang is off for personal reasons. I'm going solo here tonight. Uh, Brandon, when did you become a pro? Uh, I turned pro in 2007 or 2016. I believe. Oh, okay. So about no, six no. years ago, five, six years ago then. No, I turned pro in 2017. Oh, okay. So about five years ago. Yep, five years ago, correct. Okay. Were you in high school still then, or <laughs> we just finished yeah. up high school? Yeah, I was a senior in high school. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. When did you know that you were ready to become like a pro? Ah, uh, man. Probably like 13, 14 years old is when I started knocking people out and um, mm -hmm. doing very well. I mean, I, I've done well since since I've started, but... I think 13 or 14 is when I started, you know, really dominating, dominating and knocking people out. Wow. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Do you remember your very first pro fight? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know it sounds like an amateurish question, but do you get nervous, uh, you know, uh, when you go on the ring, whether it's your very pro first pro debut or even your last fight back in April? Do you still get like this nervous energy butterfly still? Um, no, I don't get uh, nervous. It's more like um, more like I'm, I'm anxious. You know, I can't wait to go out there and you know give the fans a great show. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you consider you have an impressive record? Twenty five wins, you know, zero losses. I, I believe twenty two KOs. That's a that's almost like a ninety percent KO rate. Um, when you go out on the ring, or at least leading up to the fight. 
do you kind of determine like, okay, I can knock this guy out fairly quickly, or do do you feel like, okay, I'm gonna have to go the distance, so I'm not gonna go, you know, wilding, swinging, you know, and then not get caught. You know, what's the kind of a strategy going to a boxing match against an opponent? Whether you think, okay, I'm gonna go for KO, or I have to go long distance with this guy. Twelve. Months. It it, uh, it varies who who the opponent is and how the fight goes. You know, um, you know, this is boxing, super unpredictable, and uh, I kind of just go with the flow and see what happens. Wow, that's a hell of a dude, that's a big uh, knockout right there. One of your many many highlights. <laughs> We're gonna be posting yeah. it out there. Uh, what is your uh, favorite punch? That you think you're like, okay, I will always use this punch to knock out anybody. I can rely on this, you know, punch. Um, I really don't have a favorite punch, but if I had to choose one, it would probably be my jab. Oh, okay, jab. Yeah. One, two, yeah. one, two. Okay, that's yeah. wonderful. I want to kind of go back to when you became like a, you know, started as a boxing. Was there any point in life where you thought, you know, I, I hate to use this term, but like give up and say, okay, maybe I want to play baseball or basketball or, you know, like any other sports uh, growing up because boxing was, uh, you know, not something you, 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 you know, you wanted to do something else. No, not at all. Um, when I started boxing, I was very good at it. Um, you know, watch on TV, reading articles. I saw how much money they made. Um, <laughs> I see. I personally don't enjoy team sports. <laughs> and, uh, I like to be I like to be independent, so boxing is perfect. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, that's great to hear. You know, it's a you know Asian people like ourselves. We're always known to kind of like do things you know harmoniously or exactly. you know act in groups. But you know, to have a strong independent mindset, like you know, I'm on my own. You know, I take you know 100 responsibility for everything that I say and do. Uh, you know, I admire that uh, mindset from uh, coming from you and, mm -hmm. and all and everything. Um, you know. You're also, uh, from my research, you were also a student studying cr uh, uh, criminal justice, correct? I'm still a student. Oh, you are still a student. Okay. Yep. Are you? How close are you to uh, graduation? I'm a junior right now. Um, I'm currently taking two classes a semester. So, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you when I'm going to get my bachelor's degree, but, you know, eventually I am. Slow and steady. Uh, what school? Is it, is it UC... No, Cal State San Bernardino. Oh, Cal State San Bernardino. Yep. Okay, that's yep, yep. great, great. What made you choose the uh, criminal justice uh, for your uh, degree? Um, you know, just something that's uh, something that's different. You know, I can go wake up and do something new every day. Um, I primarily don't like a desk job, so at the time that I thought that would be uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Was there was that some sort of a backup plan for you if uh, boxing you know didn't pan out or or whatever it was? Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, my parents wanted me to go to school uh, to have a plan B just in case uh, mm -hmm. if I were to ever get injured or anything like that. Ah, okay, okay. We're talking with Brandon Lee, the rising uh, boxing prospect on the Double A team here on the Barroom Network. Uh, I'm Stephen Nagishi. Uh, Ken Fang, my co-host, is off tonight. In case if you're just joining us. Um, Brandon, let's talk about the uh, the system of uh, the current uh, state of boxing right now. Um, the American heavyweights, you know, there hasn't been many. You know, the lower division fighters who have, have gotten a lot of attention, uh, you know, these these days. Um, uh, do you feel like you're at a point right now where you want to capitalize this opportunity that uh, you can definitely take on 
whoever is at your class at the light, uh, what light, lights wait uh, right now? Absolutely. You know, I'm a boxer, and um, you know, when I'm boxing, it's just man on man, ego versus ego. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm here to conquer. I'm here to take over. Okay. There's, there's also one thing about the the perception of boxing that uh, you know the uh, the promoters and the fighters you know historically have kind of gotten you know argument over the money and stuff like that you know you know uh, you're currently being represented by Carl Moretti if I'm not mistaken no 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 oh. is it uh, who who are you being uh, represented right now um I I personally wouldn't like to speak on that uh, we're current we're currently uh, Next question, please. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my apologies. Uh, yeah. You know, I did my best for the research, so I, I apologize. Yeah. I hope I didn't anger you and then cause no, no, any no, no. Uh, friction, you know, if there was any settlements or stuff like that. So that's just uh, the life, day in life of a boxing. Um, I have a question here from our one of our uh, uh, listeners. Do you live in Inland Empire right now in California? No, I live in uh, La Quinta, California. It's about oh, uh, La Quinta. Okay. 15 minutes of possible north or... 15 minutes east of Palm Springs. Oh, okay, okay. That's uh, that's a nice an area, you know, especially if, except for the summertime when it gets triple digits, you know, for you to stay in condition throughout the year, doesn't it? Yeah, um, you know, during the summer, it's, it's brutal, but, you know, during the winter, beautiful weather. Oh, I bet it is. I've been there a long time ago, and I really enjoyed it when I was there as a youth. So, you know, I used to live in Southern California in Torrance and uh, – Oh, nice. Uh, you know, Redondo, Redondo Beach area myself. That, so, nice. you know, real fun memories of uh, SoCal right there. Um, when you when you became a pro fighter and, uh, you know, living in SoCal, there's so much competition. You know, there's such a strong Mexican boxers, you know, growing up. And, uh, you know, there's so many real good fighters. You know, Oscar De La Hoya comes to mind. You know, when I was uh, growing up in SoCal, you know, he – won the uh, the medal in the uh, 92 Barcelona and became a super legend that he is right now. Um, what What is it like to go up against, uh, you know, the fighters of, uh, you know, like a Mexican fighters? And, you know, do they do they talk trash to you when they, you know, leading up to the fight? Or do they make fun of you because of your, uh, you know, Asian heritage that you have to kind of like channel that inner anger when you go up there and fight? Leading no, up to no, I don't think I don't I don't think so because um, you know even if they do I just ignore them and uh, let's see if they're still talking in the ring. Ah, okay. Well, you let your knuckle do the talking when they talk yeah. trash anyway. Right? Yeah. Good, good, good. Um, when you go up there and fight, obviously, you know you've been perfect so far in your uh, career thus far. You know you've obviously risen to many, many occasions going from four rounds to six rounds to eight rounds, you know, and then now 12 rounds as a pro. You know, what is the uh, condition for you to like leading up to prepare for, you know, whenever the, uh, you know, the weight class goes up, when the rounds go up, what kind of a training regimen do you have to do to prepare for yourself, you know, for, uh, you know, any challenges uh, that uh, comes in your way? Um, just, you know, sometimes three times a day, I work out for eight to 10 weeks, um, mm -hmm. early, early mornings. Oh man. Wow. What time do you normally get up? It's just kind of like, give us a, you know, a taste of, uh, you know, your day, you know, um, something, it, it varies, you know, sometimes four in the morning, four thirty, five in the morning, oh. um, <laughs> I go for a run, 
come back, mm-hmm. make breakfast, take a nap, do some homework, get lunch, okay. work out again, um, go for a run again, wow. and then uh, maybe do some yoga. <laughs> yeah. When did you start incorporating yoga into your training? Um, I don't know. I just feel like after a hard day of work, I just need to stretch out. And, you know, I just stretch myself. Mm-hmm. I don't I do not do nothing, nothing crazy. Ah, okay. No downward uh, doggy position. Crazy <laughs> yeah, stuff <nothing>. like that. <laughs> no more stretches. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Wonderful. Kind of going back to the uh, the state of boxing at the moment, um, do you still live with your parents or do you I have do. your own place right now? With, I, still, their- I still live with my parents, yep. Oh, okay. I see. So, well, you know, to be honest, I feel like my parents live with me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, it's nice to have your parents backing you. Everything, you know, absolutely, and uh, you know all the other stuff that uh, you have to deal outside of boxing as well. Um, I'm kind of uh, curious to know, you know, the fight money that you make. Uh, you don't have to give figures and stuff like that, but obviously to give us an idea of uh, the money that you make through in the boxing, you know, it's not just the money entirely goes to you, whether it's through the, uh, you know, the showtime, uh, you know, the promotions and the TVs and stuff like that. Some of the money has to go to your uh, trainers and anybody that is in your team. Correct. Yeah. But my father's my trainer. So, you know, I got family. I got. I, your father is a trainer. I got. I got family discount. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Wonderful. I want to talk about your last fight. You fought Jack uh, Zach Ochoa, which you won in decision in twelve rounds. You fought at the uh, AT and T Stadium, which is you know, if you're an NFL fan, we all know that's where Dallas Cowboys play, which is like ninety thousand plus. It's a massive stadium. Is it kind of weird to fight in a, such a massive stadium, even though they've had many, many fights in that stadium before, given how massive it is? And does it kind of, like, feel different? No, I don't know. You know, if anything, it just like, motivates me more to uh, work harder so one, one day I get headlined at that massive stadium. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. So you you fought last week uh, – sorry, last month, which was very close to your uh, birthday, birthday, April 25th. So I wanted to, uh, first of all, congratulate, and I'm sorry for not saying that a little bit earlier. But um, (laughs) so after a fight, what do you do to kind of decompress yourself? You know, you having, uh, you know, come off a terrific win so close to your birthday, you know, you're 23, you're young, you're undefeated, you know, you feel like you're on top of the world. You know, what do you do to kind of like decompress yourself after uh, winning a fight like that? Um, I'll go to Orange County, hit all my favorite restaurants. Go to Vegas. So, uh, <laughs> go have some gamble? fun out there. I do, yeah. Oh, what's your favorite game? Uh, what's um, your favorite? Either craps or blackjack. Ah, okay, uh, okay. Yeah. You do pretty well there? Yeah, I do decent on a good day. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. So you fought in April. Um, when do you think you'll be fighting next? Um, hopefully I'm, I'm back in August. Um, I should be getting a date real soon. Being a young boxer that you are, do you recover more quickly even after going 12 rounds and say, okay, I can fight within three to four months? Or do you feel like I need to take a little bit of time here and there depending on the situation? No, not at all. You know, I'm young. I'm only 23 years old. I'm young. It's time to work hard now and uh, chill later. Okay. 
when do you hope to become a, when do you think you you'll be able to get a title shot within within next year or so absolutely next year um i'll be 24 years old it's time to uh you know get a strap around my belt mm -hmm. what weight class are you looking at what opponents are you thinking about okay coming after okay <clears throat> I, I can get this guy you know i'm gonna um, to call out this guy and say hey i'm coming after your belt all of them I'm gonna be fighting at 140, and uh, you know, anybody, anybody can get it. Oh, 140—that's a junior welterweight, right? Correct. Yep. Wow. Okay. Okay. Have you been watching how competitive that uh, weight class it is? And uh, I believe Valdez and uh, Shakur Stevenson had a massive fight recently. Can you see yourself being up there and maybe you know go go toe to toe with those guys and say, okay, yeah, I can get these guys for sure. Totally different weight class. Oh, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> You're not there yet, right? You're not just there yet. No, no. They 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 fight at 130. I fight at 140. Oh, I apologize. Got so it. junior welterweight, <laughs> but that has still historically been a you know a huge huge weight class uh, with uh, loaded with uh, many many uh, you know uh, great boxers who have gone through great things and um, you know I I certainly hope that uh, you will be able to uh, become a super champion uh, very very soon. Um, obviously, the reason, you know, we uh, had you on uh, tonight was to kind of talk about, you know, uh, the state of our community, you know, the API uh, Heritage Month, obviously the entire month of May. And um, from your perspective, Brandon, what, what does the uh, API Heritage Month mean to you as somebody who is biracial, you know, has an Asian side as well as the, uh, the Mexican side? I mean, it means the world to me because, you know, this month is for us. And, um, you know, it's, I feel like I feel like I'm currently representing the Asian community. Um, you know, growing up, I looked up to Bruce Lee and uh, unfortunately he passed away way too early. So, you know, nowadays a lot of kids don't even know who Bruce Lee is. Mm -hmm. So um, hopefully, you know, one day I can just do even a quarter of what, what he did and I'll be happy with that. Oh, absolutely. You know, obviously, Bruce Lee being a legendary uh, a fighter and you, you being a different fighter, you know, I'll, I'll buy with the knuckles. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure that uh, there will be a lot of Asian uh, kids out there who will look up to you as somebody who represents, you know, our community in mm -hmm. a positive way. You're being out there, not necessarily thinking about representing our community when you're up in that ring, but you know that there is always going to be talks about, you know, the racism that has skyrocketed during the uh, the pandemic, and that the uh, the stigma that our community as well as uh, Asian Americans have to deal with, that you have to uh, overcome all of them one by one, and that uh, you know you are doing uh, so much to our community and uh, just so much. Um, I cannot thank you enough for um, you know what you're doing out there because it's a brutal sport, you know because. One punch can really change the fortune of a fighter out there. And it's it's a it's a lonely world out there. In, in sometimes you know, absolutely, it? absolutely. Um, you know, no one can help you but yourself. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Brandon, listen, I want to thank you so much for taking time uh, to do this interview. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It's a uh, fantastic to have. A, a you know a real AAPI athletes out there, um, you know we have you know in Southern California already you you know Shohei Otani representing the Angels, 
you know, in the uh, Japanese community, you're representing the uh, Korean community, and uh, you know, I'm, rep I'm representing all the Asians. Um, you know, none of the none of these Asian athletes are pushing the Asians as hard as I'm pushing. Um, as far as athletes, movie stars, and you know, any influencers in the Asian community. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to ask you one question uh, before we let you go. You just mentioned about how hard you're pushing it. Mm -hmm. When we started this show, this was obviously the idea. We wanted to interview AAPI people working in the sports and entertainment uh, industry, which unfortunately there are not a lot of them. Even if you saw, you know, there aren't many in TV with the exception of, you know, very few, like, for example, you know, Mina Kimes and Pablo Torres of the world. And then, you know, you, you see ESPN, you know, I'm sure you watch ESPN a lot, you know, whether it's, you know, NFL or non-boxing, you know, shows um, in your training or in between your trainings. And um, one of the things we brought up was that uh, they're, both of them, with all due respect, weren't doing enough. Do you feel like, you know, not necessarily calling them out, but there are certain people within the community that aren't doing enough? And Absolutely. 100%. And no, let's call them out because, you know, I feel like where we have this platform where we can motivate the youth, we can motivate the, the young kids to go out there and, and chase their dreams. But, you know, I, that, at least that's the way I look at it. Maybe, maybe not everyone looks at it the way I do, but, you know, um, mm -hmm. I feel like that's why I, I, I carry all the Asians on my back because, I want all of us to succeed. Mm -hmm. I, I, and I truly feel the same way too, because historically, you know, you know, our community, we've had some bickerings in the past because mm. due to the, uh, you know, native lands, war, war histories and all that kind of stuff. And us Asian communities, we also want to work, you know, with a wider group of audience, you know, Mexican, Latinos, as well as African-Americans, you know, we've hadn't had a real good dialogue or history with the uh, other minority groups, for whether it's geopolitical or mm. economical reasons that, you know, all of us uh, have to put that down and, uh, you know, work work for a common goal and uh, creating equality and justice for every minorities in the in this country. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. At the end of the day, you know, we're all human. We all believe the same. And uh, we are all one. Mm -hmm. And on that note, Brandon Lee, uh, rising prospect in the boxing world. I want to thank you, and I really want to thank you for taking this time. Obviously, you do a lot of interviews with, uh, you know, Showtime Boxing, uh, ESPN, among other things. And, uh, Brandon, I want to keep on rooting for you. And uh, hopefully when you become a champion at this time next year, we hope to have you again. And, uh, you know, you can flash off that, you know, beautiful golden belt that you have won with your Absolutely. fifth. Absolutely. We, we wish you continued success, and uh, we look forward to uh, having you on the show again very, very soon. Thank you absolutely, so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Peace. Thank you so much, Brandon. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. All right. I hope you enjoyed that uh, interview with Brandon Lee, and uh, we'll take a quick break and, and uh, come back with the uh, the next guest or have a, a bit of a monologue in between. Uh, the AA team will continue right after this. Zim, Joe, Vinny, and Gonzo. Join these White Sox fanatics every Monday night for the South Burbs Hitmen. You're going to be treated to great guests, top analysis, smart debates. South Burbs Hitmen with Zim, Joe, Vinny, and Gonzo only on the Barroom Network. 
Ellis Hall, since I came here, has been expanded twice. Both times after we were gone, by the way. So <laughs> we never we never got it. But I mean, it was tiny. Do do you think that uh, Olin Krutz would politely ask you to leave the weight room because it was so crowded? <laughs> you, I told you what Olin. I told you what Olin used to say to me. I know. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> no, and and that was at five o'clock when there's you know. There's no players around. Here, I'll get the f out of my weight room. And I go. (laughs) Oh, I think I got a commercial here. (laughs) The past year has seen a 1,900% rise in anti Asian hate crime in New York City alone. With 2,800 incidents reported across 47 states in Washington, D.C., this is a national crisis, and we need your help to call it out. Call it a crime. Call it what it is, racism. Let's stand up together against hate. Learn more at StopAAPIHate.org. And welcome back to the Double A team. I'm Stephen Nagishi. Uh, Ken Fang is uh, off for personal reasons. Uh, I'm doing solo. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, I hope you all enjoyed the uh, interview with the rising prospect, uh, Brandon Lee, tonight. And uh, I tell you, uh, Brandon is a uh, somebody that I've followed for uh, quite some time. And, uh, you know, we really, really worked hard to try and get him on the show because there was obviously a confusion with who to contact. And, uh, I reached out to uh, Mike Coppinger, uh, ESPN's uh, boxing writer, who used to uh, write for The Athletic previously. And uh, I reached out to him. Uh, I DM'd him. And uh, he was kind enough to uh, point out to uh, the right person uh, for uh, the contact information. Uh, I want to thank uh, Steve Pratt for VZ uh, PR uh, for help setting this up. Uh, for tonight, and uh, I hope you enjoy it, and uh, we hope to uh, continue to bring uh, more uh, Asian American uh, athletes who are available to come on and uh, talk to us. Anyway, uh, speaking of Asian American athletes, uh, our next guest actually uh, created a special website dedicated to the coverage of AAPI athletes that uh, to be quite honest, I didn't know. Um, obviously, not many of us are, you know, uh, you know, mainstream. You know, only a handful of times, maybe in the uh, summer and winter Olympics, you might have seen, uh, you know, Chloe Kim, Nathan Chan, and stuff like that. But uh, joining us is the founder of Amazing HQ, and he also works for the uh, ESPN's uh, LA headquarters uh, in the uh, media division. Pranav Ayer, thank you for joining us tonight. Hey, Steven, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. We've uh, kept in contact for quite some time, and uh, we really appreciate you taking time. I know you're working at the ESPN uh, LA office as of right now tonight, right? Yeah, so currently working remotely, um, but based out of LA, yeah. (laughs) That's wonderful. That's the LA where uh, Neil Everett and uh, Stan Barrett do the uh, uh, Los Angeles shows. Uh, most nights uh, at uh, 1 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock Pacific time, correct? Exactly, exactly. Can you tell us what your role is uh, with the ESPN LA? Yeah, so I'm a social media specialist. Um, 
at ESPN. I started about um, eight, nine, month, nine months ago, nine, 10 months ago, um, back in July. Um, and basically, you know, help produce content for the different ESPN social media platforms, whether that be Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram. And, you know, I um, create, yeah, created a lot of different content, help lead a lot of different avenues. Like for example, um, this month I'm helping lead um, AA and HPI um, content um, for the month, obviously because it's May. Um, in the past, I, I'm also like the college basketball lead. So I helped, you know, lead the content uh, plan for our March Madness coverage in March. Um, and then I also helped lead the, on the state coverage. So, you know, bringing back like archival content, for example, you know, if like Kobe had this, you know, 60 point game or his 81 point game against Raptors, you know, whenever that anniversary is, um, I'm kind of in charge of like helping bring uh, the best ways to bring bring back that type of content. Oh, I see. You don't necessarily write the article itself, correct? Um, no, I don't. So I don't write articles on ESPN.com. Um, so it's just, just on the social media platforms. I see. So there's a lot of uh, digital marketing, um, A-B testing, and uh, a lot of an analytics involved in trying to draw uh, people to that article, whether it's through Facebook, Twitter, and then even on the uh, ESPN.com's uh, platform, correct? Yeah, definitely. So a lot of yeah, there's part of the part of the goal is to help like you know channel channel some of that traction back towards the um, towards the website towards the broadcast. Um, but also, still a lot of stuff that we do is you know we do produce a lot of original content. Like for example, I was at the I was at the Warriors game six um, um, just a few days ago at Chase Center because mm -hmm. you, know, um, you know it was an ESPN game, so we do you know I was I was out there capturing a bunch of uh, content during the game as well. So. Um, so it's interesting to see because, like, you know, I came into this like thinking, like, you know, why would why would someone want to work in social media? It's like the fluff of journalism, is so or so I thought. But you know, it's mm -hmm. like I think we're coming to point in our a point in our uh, time of our uh, of our society where you know a lot of people, especially in my generation and even more so the younger generation, that's oftentimes the only place they receive news, right? Right. Um, so at, at, in in a sense, you know, like social media people working in social media are kind of that front line, um, are working some of that front line. Um, duties um so it's like you know oftentimes like you can you can if something goes wrong you are the ones that are, like it's a very like high pressure type of thing which is mm -hmm. it can be fun at times you know like in you know working like the nba finals things like that um but but yeah definitely there's definitely a lot that goes involved that, that is revolved around it what was your background in college that led to this job yeah, so I was a double major in broadcast journalism um, and kinesiology. So two very separate things, but I guess in a sense, I tied back to the sports sports world. Um, mm -hmm. And I also played uh, I played football as well. So kind of did those three things. Um, but but yeah, I kind of figured out like you know a little bit later on to my uh, college career that I wanted to go down the journalism route. Um, and and kind of you know did some internships at different places like Spectrum Sportsnet, Fox Sports, and then. Mm -hmm. um, at ESPN um, this the summer after my senior year to kind of um, to kind of just like go down that route and like see 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 what we can make out of it because I know there's obviously a ton of opportunity to you know create change through 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 reporting. Wow, I, I tell you, working for ESPN that's a dream job for a lot of sports fans, myself included, even at my uh, ripe age of the mid forties. <laughs> but uh, we have Pranav Ayer joining us, uh, working as a uh, uh, social media uh, specialist at ESPN in LA and also Amazing HQ, which is a special website dedicated for the Asian American athlete coverage uh, in the uh, uh, 
uh, as we talk, Asian American Heritage Month, which we will get to in a moment. But um, you said you you played football, correct? At uh, Chapman College, was it correct. Chapman? Chapman University, yeah. Chapman University. Wow. What position did you play? Uh, I played free safety and corner. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, uh, how big are you, if you don't mind me telling me, you were playing? Well, now, now I'm a lot smaller. Um, back when I was playing, I was like, um, I was pretty much six feet and I was 100, 175, 180 pounds. Now, like, now that I'm like, you know, done with my playing career, like, um, I'm, I've lost, I've lost like 25 pounds since then. So, it's like definitely mm -hmm. for me, like, you know, like, being built the way I was, I'm definitely not built to be a football player. So I had to kind of do everything to like eat as much food as I could, you know, right. growing up in like a vegetarian household and things like that. <laughs> um, so there was a lot of, a lot of things that I had to like do to even like be like at the wow. bare minimum of like not, not being uh, someone who's like a, a liability to injury type thing. Mm -hmm. um, but, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I work in IT, and as you can imagine, I have a lot of uh, Indian uh, colleagues, and uh, they're obviously, you know, spent some time in India, uh, you know, Hyderabad and uh, Bangalore yep. to work uh, more than 10 years ago. And uh, obviously, they are very uh, strict about their diets and stuff like that. So I can <laughs> I can understand the, uh, <laughs> you know, the struggles that you went through. And, uh, you know, it's obviously a, a huge position. You know, you basically have to cover the receiver you have to read defense, I mean, offense, you know, you're, you're the, uh, you know, center fielder uh, playing safety, having to, uh, you know, watch the uh, the receivers and the tight ends that comes in your way and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Was that the position, you know, kind of like you were chosen to play or you, you decided you enjoy hitting people and then you wanted to play uh, that position because it seemed to fit your uh, size more? That's funny. So it's like, actually, my dream was my dream was always to be a quarterback. Um, that's how I got into football. It's like the dumbest story ever. But I, back in third grade, I was doing this uh, random, you know, you know, you know how they do book reports like every few months or whatever. For that one, the topic was supposed to be like a biography book report. Um, I was just randomly looking through the library and found found this book about this guy named Brett Favre out of all people. And for some reason, for some reason, I decided to choose his book and. I don't even know what it was that like stuck out to me because there's not there's not that much that is very interesting about Brett Favre, uh, but but that's how I started playing football because um, I grew up in an area where not many people like played football at all. Um, so that's like how I fell in love with it, and I always had the dream, you know, like I wanted to be the first like Asian uh, first Indian American quarterback in the NFL. That was like what I was what I always said. But got to the point where you know high school high school we ran triple option. I was not built to be a triple option quarterback. Um, so I ended up, you know, focusing on some of the other positions and I found, you know, kind of like my, my calling as like a, as a defensive back, um, mm -hmm. I was never, never the most, never the fastest, never the most athletic, but, um, I think by the time my senior year hit, I found a way to like use my, use my, like my mind, my knowledge mm -hmm. and my knowledge for kind of just like situational awareness, like angles, things like that to kind of, um, you know, use that to my advantage. And obviously, like, you know, being a smaller person myself too, it was interesting because going into my senior year, I like dislocated my finger um, at, a, at, a, at a college camp the summer, the summer before. So just like a two, two couple of weeks before camp started. So oh, I had to learn at that point how to, how to tackle without my hands. Um, and that's like when I became kind of like, you know, more like I had to like, I had to master the craft of like, you know, like uh, just cutting people, you know, like, and obviously, I found out later that like that that is that's very very much to my advantage because I'm not going to be able to drive these you know 250 pound running 220 pound running backs or whatever like to the ground, 
but mm-hmm. I can use, you know, use their own leverage against them and kind of um, make make that easier on me. So that's kind of like how, um, you know, I, I like found my calling and like, it was definitely, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely a great experience being able to go through, you know, the high school level and then, you know, being able to play at the college level, obviously not like such a high level, but mm-hmm. um, like as an Indian American, I take a lot of pride in, in, you know, just being able to have the opportunity and be able to put on for the community because, um, for where I'm from, there's not a lot of people that have played college football. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it, it definitely doesn't mean a lot. Yeah, you were you were great until you mentioned Brett Favre, which is a, a no-no amongst the uh, us uh, Chicago uh, sports fans, and uh, especially you know we're so bear-centric there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know. Uh, we'll, we'll let that uh, pass and uh, bygones be bygones. We're talking like, with I'm not, Pranav I'm not so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Pranav Ayer of uh, Amazing HQ and uh, ESPN uh, LA uh, social media specialist. Um, did you play anybody famous when you were playing in uh, high school or whether in college? Um, no, well, definitely not in college because, you know, it's division three football. You wouldn't, there's not many, we had a few players that went on to play pro, but, um, but they're not like, obviously they don't become like the biggest names usually, um, (laughs) in high school, I played against like, you know, like obviously a bunch of different like division one players. Um, if I was like a year older, I would have played against Vita Vea. Um, oh, okay. But, but I was was, like a little bit, a little bit before my time by like a a year or two. Um, Cause like, I think, I think like either the year after, yeah, the year after or two years after he left is when we played their team. Um, but, but yeah, I played, yeah, played against like a few division one players. Like, um, mm-hmm. like I said, again, like from where, where I'm from, like my area, like it's not very known for football, not very known for most of these mainstream American sports. So it was wow. definitely, um, it's definitely kind of like, you know, you had to kind of, um, everything you had to do is kind of like on your own regard. You know, you didn't really have mm-hmm. that type of like, you weren't like it wasn't built we didn't have like a built-in pop warner league you know even so like a lot of people on our team like never even started playing uh competitive like tackle football until like high school because that just wasn't an opportunity um so right. so yeah <laughs> uh where in so- southern california are you uh, living uh, was it orange county that area um when i was in college yeah i lived in i lived in orange county um and then uh, like, high school high school where did you play so in high school i grew up in the bay area um well san francisco I grew up in Cupertino, like near San Jose. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I grew up in Cupertino. went to this high school called Monta Vista High School. Um, basically, basically like an area where um, a lot of – it's it's mostly like, you know, like um, kids like me, where it's like first first generation, you know, Asian-American kids that, you know, have like immigrant parents and a lot of them, you know, work in the tech industry. So they're – so it's like it's definitely a different – It's it was cool that, you know, I got to be around a lot of people that looked like me and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but it is different in the sense that it's not representative of kind of like what you'll see when you go out to the rest of the world. You know, when I went, when I went out to Chapman, that was a very big culture shock. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's a private university, right? Yeah, it's a private university. It's in Orange County. Um, OC, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So those two things, like just in itself, that will that will tell you a little bit about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are a lot of. Uh, rich, pompous uh, kids uh, who, uh, you know, acted the wilding and stuff like that when, you know, not necessarily your teammates, but any of your, uh, you know, classmates or uh, people that you attended school with. Yeah, no, that definitely, that definitely was like prominent. Like, you know, there was a lot of like, whether it be like, you know, kids of celebrities or, you know, just people in that space, that was, there was a lot of those people. 
Mm -hmm. um, but you know, like I think it, it all depends on like who you surrounded yourself with. And I think I, I was able to like find those groups that you know like really mattered to me and the people that kind of like I was able to relate to. Um, so that definitely helped. <laughs> I bet it was. And I'm sure that helped you really get through a place like Chapman, you know, given what you just explained there. You know, college <laughs> itself is uh, quite a challenge for many people. You know, going to a private institution like that, that must be, you know, even, you know, you, you, you're really raising up the uh, antics and stuff yeah. like that. There. <laughs> I want to talk about your family and, uh, you know, upbringing, you know, you know, being a first generation Indian American yourself. Um, you know, were your parents supportive about, you know, what you were doing, especially, you know, playing on, uh, you know, playing football, such a violent sports that mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of Indians are, aren't really familiar with. And then, uh, you know, they were probably more concerned about your grade and, you know, go to med school, you know, lawyer, blah, 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 typical, you know, Asian parents, uh, stereotype stuff. Yeah. I mean, so I think, I think I always like, I always like to preface this with, it's like, our parents like only knew what they experienced when they were growing up and mm -hmm. like the environment that they were raised in. Um, so like for me, it, it took a lot of time for, for it to get to that point where like, you know, my, my mom understood that um, just because, you know, it's like, I think it's, it's important to know like that, like, you know, in most of these big Asian countries, right? Like, especially like, right. you know, India, China, if you're going, if you're going to pursue sports, you're often, oftentimes funneled into that from a really early age. And it's not it's not done in 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 you know like um like at the same time as like there's no like oh i'm gonna do sports and i'm gonna be like a academic there's mm -hmm. you can't do both at the same or in most cases it's hard to do both um it's kind of you have to devote devote yourself completely to one or the other you know it's like they put you in these academies it's always for like training for the you know province team the national team that type of thing that's like the mentality there when it comes to sports um sure. in in most cases um so I think that part part of that is like you know like a reason why it's like it's hard to see it um, for more than just the just the hobby. Um, the other part too is like um, you know our parents are coming like from uh, you know halfway across the world. You know, oftentimes it's like it's that saying like you know I'm coming 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 across the world with like three dollars in my pocket, right? Sure. They're coming here with nothing, not knowing anything other than what got them here and what they what they've been able to do. Um, to see success, what they've been able to see their family do to see success. Um, so that's why you often hear these things like, oh, like all Asian parents want you to be like a doctor, lawyer, engineer, those things. It's not necessarily because like that's that's necessarily what they want. It's more so because oftentimes that's all they know, like in terms of what can lead to success. So I think for that, like it took a long time, you know, um, in high school, like, you know, as as I started going through it, like, and I had a passion like for being playing at the next level, things like that. I definitely had to, I definitely had to go through, through some roundabouts and um, things like that, that um, I don't necessarily like wish I did, but I think it was kind of necessary at the time to kind of do, pursue what I believed in and what I was passionate about. Um, but I think after, you know, after I got to college and things like settled down a little bit there, and especially now I think my mother was able to like, understand like, oh, this is like, this is why it's important to you. And then, oh, like there's other people that are doing this too. It's not just you. Um, and there's other people that are doing this and, you know, doing well academically as well. Um, so I think it took a while, but it's it's all about kind of like, you know, learning multiple different types of perspectives. Yeah. I'm sure you got, you know, you were fortunate enough to obviously be in the States where, you know, 
academics and sports, you know, managing, while it might be very, very difficult, it can be achieved, you know, especially, you know, as as diverse as it is in this country when, you know, just how yeah. big sports is in this country as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking with Pranav Ayer, uh, our second guest uh, on the AA team here on the, the Barroom Network. Thanks for joining us. Um, what about you parents right now? You're obviously working in ESPN and you have your own uh, website devoted to Asian American, uh, you know, uh, athletes. Um, what are they saying right now to you now that you were done with college and playing football and, you know, you could probably get a, you know, become, go on to become like a, I don't know, you know, the, the you know, the IT doctor, whatever, you know, they were hoping to be, you to become stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I think my mom is happy that it's like, you know, I think like, you know, when you, when you do these things, like they know, like, for example, you know, like, I remember like whichever, like, I think it was like Hasan Minaj was talking about it is like, you know, mm-hmm. like oftentimes his parents didn't understand what he's doing with comedy, but when he made it onto like this specific show that they used to watch when they were growing up, that's like, oh, you made it, right? So like <laughs> for me, I think like my, my my family understands it's like, oh, when you think of sports, you think of like ESPN. So like, I think from that, like my my mother saw success out of that. Um, the, the the thing that she didn't see success out of is like, you know, like, Working in sports media, there's not a, there's not a big paycheck that will ever come there, mm-hmm. unless you're like talent. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> so there. Right, you're not a TV talent. You know you're not like uh, Kevin Nagandi. No. Uh, like you do the uh, Sports Center or call <laughs> games and uh, re, you know interview athletes and stuff like that too. That's a that's a, that's probably a little bit of difficulty to uh, yeah. <laughs> for them to understand as well, right? Yeah, yeah. But then the other thing too is like I you know I'm like with with my media outlet, I think. It, my mom was like happy that I was able to, you know, like do something that's like my own, like start be entrepreneurial in that sense. Um, there's a lot of stuff she doesn't understand just in terms of like, you know, it being social media and she doesn't know too much about social media and like kind of like how that works and the opportunities that I've been able to get through that. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, so it's definitely, it's definitely, it's definitely takes some time, but, um, but like, I, like I said, same thing with the football thing. It's just, it's just, you know, learning that new perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about your, uh, you know, your, uh, your baby. Uh, is it Amazon's uh, HQ? Uh, is that the pronunci- correct pronunciation? Yeah, Amazing HQ. Amazing HQ. Tell us about the website and where you got the inspiration on starting this uh, website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I started this um, back in December 2019. But the reason mm-hmm. why I started it is obviously... You know, I always, when I was growing up, I always tried to do all the deepest dives into kind of like figuring out like, who can I look up to that looks like me? Has there ever been like an Asian American quarterback that has played in the NFL? Because, you know, that was my dream growing up. Or has there, you know, just in any sports that I was just looking at. Um, you know, I was able to find like examples like Timmy Chang, you know, people like that. Um, Brandon Chillard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, oftentimes like to find these examples, it, it's like you, you have to be like someone like me who was like willing to do that deep research, you know, to find mm-hmm. like who these people are. And find these examples but you know most people aren't going to be like that right because they're just going to assume right. that there's no one out there um, sure. so so like so back in back in college in 20 early early 2019 i actually got this um this scholarship scholarship through aaja um called the california reporting scholarship just to kind of you know i had this budget to work on this long-form story about anything that i kind of wanted to and i decided to do mine about um asian american the the, the rise of asian americans in basketball um, kind of delving into, you know, like Linsanity was nearly 10 years ago at that point. Um, sure. and, and kind of seeing like, you know, everyone always talked about like, oh, we, we, 
we assume that like you know once Lasani hit, we would see this huge wave of representation. Obviously, we haven't quite seen that yet. So kind of delving into like what that um, what that true legacy has been and that true impact has been. Um, so through that, I was able to interview you know like thirty plus thirty around like yeah, around like thirty people um, from all different like walks of life. You know, all different ethnicities like Indian American. You know. Uh, like Chinese American, Japanese American, just a lot of different people, um, and a lot of them, you know, some of like some of them were like pretty, pretty like public figures, like Natalie Nakase. And um, sure. but one thing that I was able, one thing I noticed through it all, no matter how like well known they were, everyone said that they always wished they they always wished they um, they always wanted to tell their story, but no one had ever asked them. Like telling their story in this way, telling their story about their heritage, about what it means to them to be an Asian American athlete, to be an Asian American in sports. No one ever asked them that. Um, and to me, that like perplexed me. I was like, why? Like, why? That's like such a, you know, obvious thing that a lot of people would care about. And especially, you know, with the power to inspire, there was so much of that. Um, so, you know, through that, through after that story, I kind of like sat down for a little bit. And I was like, um, I was like, you know, there's, there's really a big gaping hole in kind of the media coverage for our community when it comes to sports. Because first of all, sure. who is doing, the, who's, who's doing the media coverage. It's not people like us most of the time, right? Um, mm -hmm. And oftentimes like for these stories, you're not gonna be able to understand its importance, importance unless you are like someone from our community or you're tapped in with our community and you're able to hear about, like hear them out, hear their stories and hear what's important to them. Um, and I don't think like as a society really did that enough. Like, I think thankfully, you know, we're doing that more with people like, you know, like Jun Lee, um, like people like them who are kind of like telling these stories that like, you know, should have been told like way back, right? Um, Absolutely. So that's kind of like why I started it. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, so, you know, I just, I bought a camera, like uh, I bought a camera, I bought a lens, I bought a, um, I mean, I got a website and then um, social media handles and all of this stuff I had no idea how to do. Cause this is like before, you know, before I was at ESPN, um, I like, had no idea about like how to run social media, things like that. Sure. Um, but I kind of, I kind of started, just started it with a passion, started with like some knowledge about like the community. And it was during basketball season in 2019. And um, I just started off by like covering some of these, you know, top um, high school Asian American basketball players in California. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And, you know, it's obviously like grown, grown from then. Um, a lot of things have happened since. And um, I think it's still, still got a long ways to go for sure. Um, but I truly believe that like, um, you know, what I'm doing at a, at a somewhat local level, if that's able to be kind of magnified or amplified to, to a national level, maybe eventually an international level, there's a, there's a real impact that it can have to um, not only like just be a, you know, national media outlet, that's not what I only envisioned. I, I wanted to really be a way to like kind of change the way that we ourselves view our, view our community, view our sports, but also like the way that society views us. Like when you hear the term Asian American athlete, what do you, what do you, what are you going to what are you going to think? Um, and how can we really change that? And that's that's kind of like the ultimate goal with what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Since you work at the ESPN, do you envision maybe like, a, um, you know, obviously working at ESPN, you gain so much knowledge, yeah. you know, production, on-site, off-site, everything. You hope to incorporate that into that. Uh, you know, what's the future goal of your website? And do you foresee maybe, you know, aligning with the you know like a major national media you know even heck you know you work at espn maybe if espn wants to bolster 
their uh, AAPI coverage in, in a separate, uh, you know, like a you know website. You know, you already have Undefeated, which covers African American issues, social, sports, and economic issues. Could could uh, you know your website become you know like the uh, the engine for you know AAPI coverage for ESPN? Yeah, I mean that's definitely something that could happen. Um, but I think one of the things when I've thought about like whether this can be something that like you know gets acquired by a bigger media outlet, I think there's a lot of limit limiting aspects to that in terms of like like I see this as starting as a media outlet, but I but I hope it to become a way to actually create tangible change. Um, you know, like for example, you know, like hosting like actual like for example for these athletes, you know, hosting events that where we can like force these recruits. Uh, force these recruiters and these coaches to like see these players that are just getting overlooked, giving them that mm -hmm. tangible opportunity to, you know, kind of flip that script. Um, those type of those types of things. And, you know, really having like a not just a, not just a digital presence, but literally like a physical presence. I think that that is something that I envision. And I do think that, you know, if it, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of like limiting factors when it comes to like if that that becomes like um, if it's like more of an acquisition. But obviously, you know, we're definitely far from that. Uh, so definitely thinking more so like in the now and kind of seeing like what we can do to um, kind of, you know, bolster our coverage as it is now. Um, and for example, you know, next, I don't know if you know, but next this Sunday, we're actually going to be hosting our first um, amazing um, all-star showcase. Basically going to be a, um, a showcase of California's uh, uh, top Asian American basketball talents going to be in Southern California. And mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it's that is like something that I'm I'm hoping like I feel like it will be a great opportunity to like I think the goal with it is you know just to obviously celebrate the seniors but I think more so you know bring together the community and be able to like whether it be the kids you know like being able to show them that like oh this is something I can be when I'm growing up uh, when I when I grow up later on um, or for or even for the older generation you know being like wow like they're finally doing something for a community you know that I wish I had when I was growing up because that's ultimately the reason why I'm doing this. I wish mm -hmm. I wish I had this. I'm doing something that I wish I had when I was growing up because I know it would have made a huge difference for me. Um, but I also know it would have made a huge difference for so many of my friends. Um, just because, you know, a lot of my a lot of my friends had so much more athletic potential than I did. <laughs> but it got to a point, whether it be like in high school, that is like, okay, yeah, no, I, I think I just gotta stop just because it's my, you know, other other parental influence, either, you know, peer influence or like society telling them that like oh, this is like not meant for you. Because, you know, I was, I was told so many times, what am I doing chasing these football dreams as a skinny Indian American kid, right? <laughs> um, but I think there's, there's so much we can do to push forward that narrative so that these kids growing up don't have to, don't have to feel that way. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I'm, I, I, can't, I can't imagine how happy they are that uh, you're, you know, heavily involved in uh, such showcase, which is so common, you know, in, in every sports, you know, basketball, football, and baseball. But, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes us a Asian Americans are left out, you know, sometimes because of the stigma and uh, stuff like that, or maybe, you know, the coaches uh, pr primarily, you know, still many of them old, you know, white males, you know, who have these, uh, you know, you know, prenominations about certain races into some degree, you know, especially in the times that we live in. And, uh, you know, I think it's important to educate the, uh, you know, the, the, the schools, the administrators, as much as we need to educate the, uh, the coaches and uh, the NCAA administrators to, 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 to some degree. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. 
Well, listen, Pranab, I really appreciate you having uh, taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, I know you're at work right now. So I want to thank your uh, ESPN LA bosses to uh, allow this uh, opportunity. You know, we definitely would love to uh, have you on again, you know, to give us more updates on the website, you know, the okay. showcase your career. And uh, we definitely love to have an opportunity to uh, work with you, you know, your website, as well as our channels, you know, in a collaborative fashion to help raise awareness uh, of our community, you know, as we uh, still fight the, uh, the stigma and the racism uh, that's risen during the, you know, the, um, uh, throughout this uh, pandemic, which still unfortunately is ongoing, but, uh, Nothing but the best. Uh, wishing you continued success, and uh, we look forward to us speaking with you again down the road, okay? Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate all that you guys do to push forward the narrative for our community. So props to you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, those words really mean uh, so much to us. And uh, a continued success, and then we'll say hi to our, our, our colleague, uh, Ken, who couldn't be with us tonight, and I'm sure he would have killed to have this opportunity to come but uh you know he couldn't come for personal reasons and uh we will hopefully next time ken will be available to talk with with uh, you uh down yeah. the road thank you so yeah. much and uh we'll talk to you again down the road thank you sounds good thank you thank you so much pranav Ayer of amazing hq and uh, espn la social media team with us tonight all right we'll take a quick break and come back with the uh, final word on the double a team right after this Zim, Joe, Vinny, and Gonzo join these White Sox fanatics every Monday night for the South Burbs Hitmen. You're going to be treated to great guests, top analysis, smart debates. South Burbs Hitmen with Zim, Joe, Vinny, and Gonzo only on the Barroom Network. And welcome back. The uh, the Southside uh, Burb Hitman will be coming up right after this show at the top of the hour. Obviously, the guys have a lot to talk about, especially losing to the Red Hot Yankees, losing three out of four. You know, Stanton and Judge really mashed a lot of home runs, uh, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, the White Sox fans are probably still steaming. And uh, hopefully uh, the guys at the show will help you ease those pains at the top of the hour. Already, so the reason uh, you know Ken uh, was not available tonight, um, we got a call from uh, Ken uh, late last night. Um, in case of uh, those of you who were not, uh, you know, under the rocks, there has been some uh, a lot of uh, mass shootings uh, this past week. Most noticeably, in the one in uh, Buffalo where. Uh, 10 people were shot and killed at a supermarket. There was also an incident uh, at a Bucks game, Milwaukee Bucks game. After the uh, the game was over, there was a shooting, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, 20 people injured in the Celtics game, game six, uh, last week. Uh, pertaining to our community, there was a shooting in uh, Dallas that uh, three people inside the uh, – Asian-owned hair salon uh, were targeted. Now, initially, this was 
thought to be not a racially motivated one. But after a deep search, um, there have been several other incidents in the vicinity, which uh, a suspect in the vehicle looked very, very similar to the one that happened uh, last week at a uh, hair salon in Dallas. So now they're looking into it as a a possible hate crime as well. And um, one of the shootings that took place yesterday was at the uh, Laguna Woods uh, Church. And uh, this shooting where one people were killed and uh, several people have been wounded. it, it it turned out to be a Chinese immigrant shooting at a Taiwanese uh, church because of the uh, uh, you know the rising tension between China and Taiwan Taiwan I should say as you can see in the article below there um, you know can uh, so among the uh, the people who were wounded were Ken's aunt and uh, uncle. As you can see here, um, you know, Ken posted the uh, update on his uh, timeline uh, uh, this morning. And um, that's why uh, Ken, uh, unfortunately, were not able to attend the show this evening. Um, I didn't mention that to uh, Brandon Lee's representative or Pranav. And, uh, you know, we just wanted to kind of let the show go. We wanted to talk about it at the very beginning of the show, but, you know, we kind of uh, lost track of time. And, uh, you know, the uh, Brandon's interview at 745, uh, 6.45 uh, Central Time was very close. And we decided to just go on with the show and get to the this part at the end of the show. And uh, as you can see, thankfully, uh, they're fortunate to be alive in good spirits. And, um, you know... I wanted to dedicate the uh, tonight's show, and I've said this to Ken just before we came on air tonight. Uh, we are dedicating this show to Ken and his uh, aunt and uh, uncle who are doing very, very well tonight. And, um, you know, our thoughts and prayers uh, from the Barroom Network, myself, Aldo, and everybody uh, who is uh, watching this tonight, uh, Please send a uh, thoughts and prayers to Ken and uh, his aunt and uh, uncle as they uh, recover. And uh, I, I cannot thank you, uh, Ken. Thank you for the sentiments, uh, Ken. Thank you so much. Um, I know it's very very hard uh, for um, you know, you know, Ken to um, you know to have somebody you know so close. Um, you know, being uh, you know somebody so close to you know being shot, and uh, you know, um, you know, I'm so happy for you, Ken, and, uh, you know, all of us here at the network, and, um, you know, I'm just uh, glad to hear that, uh, 
you and uh, your family members are doing very, very well. Man, uh, these, uh, you know, shootings uh, really leave us uh, very, very depressed at times. You know, it, it's it's so frequently happening in this country. It's, um, you know, it's, 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 it's easy to get so numb because it's such a regular, um, you know, regular occurrences. And uh, when, when, you know, something like this happens, you know, to someone and, uh, you know, someone that, you know, you know, some, someone so close is a victim and especially, you know, you know, another Asian Americans being shot at. Um, unfortunately, this is a, somewhat of a politically motivated uh, shooting, um, unfortunately. But um, anyway, um, you know, I'm so happy that uh, Ken is doing well. You know, he's uh, kind enough to join us, uh, even in, uh, you know, situations like this. And, uh, you know, uh, our thoughts and prayers uh, goes out to you once again. And, uh, you know, we look forward to having you, Ken. I'm just so happy. You know, take as much time you need to, uh, you know, uh, look out for your uh, family members, your aunt and uh, uncle. And uh, we hope to uh, have you back on again in two weeks. Now, the preview of um, our next show in two weeks on uh, May 30th, uh, we're having Marshall Cho, who is a, a Korean-American head coach, a basketball coach, I should say, with the USA Basketball as well as uh, actor and uh, director slash uh, documentarian uh, Brian Yang uh, joining us. There was a conversation earlier about uh, Pranab talking about Jeremy Lin and insanity. Brian was a, a person who helped, uh, was heavily involved in the uh, filming and documentation of the film Insanity, which chronicles the rise of NBA basketball star, Jeremy Lin. We look forward to having both of them to talk about, you know, what uh, Jeremy Lin's rise meant to them. And, uh, you know, and not just within the basketball community, but within our uh, AAPI community. And, uh, you know, we hope to have both of them talk together. And, uh, you know, I reached out to Jeremy Lin last month and obviously haven't heard back. And while it's obviously a long shot, maybe, you know, if we're lucky, we could have him or if not, then we'll hope to have another guest, uh, you know, to talk about what uh, insanity meant and, uh, you know, to all of us, especially within our community as we close out May's uh, AAPI Asian Heritage Month. Anyway, uh, my name is Stephen Nagishi. I want to thank you for joining us. And uh, hey, Aldo's joining us uh, to do the closing with me tonight. Aldo, how are you? I'm great, Stephen, and I want to uh, just applaud uh, you sticking through this show yourself. I know it's been a very emotional week, not just with the uh, shootings involved with Ken's family, but just all of the news of the mass shootings that have just been piling up. We've had more than one mass shooting a week since this year began, and it's a very, very troubling thing in America today. You know, I grew up in a very, very tough neighborhood where shootings were commonplace. We would hear gunshots as we were having dinner. We would hear ambulances running, uh, uh, going uh, to the hospital uh, at night while we were asleep. The crime, uh, the area that I grew up in, the inner city of Chicago, was infested with crime. But now it truly does 
seem like things have been unleashed and there's crime all over America, no matter where you live. And there is no doubt that most of it, it comes from hate groups. And FBI Director Chris Wray recently said this at a congressional hearing. We'll say that a uh, majority of the um, domestic terrorism uh, cases that we've investigated uh, are motivated by some version of what you might call white supremacist violence, but it includes other things as well. I, th I think the greatest terrorist threat to the homeland is the homegrown violent extremists. I will say that These we would be take foreign, domestic, in, foreign which, inspired, which is the hottest inspired violence. That does not mean, by any stretch of the imagination, that we don't take domestic terrorism, including hate crime committed on behalf of some kind of white supremacist ideology, extremely seriously. This is a huge problem. The problem of, uh, that we're facing now is that white supremacy has really gained traction during the previous president's administration. And we're not going to stop talking about it here on the Barroom Network. This needs to be highlighted. It needs to be showcased. And in some cases, some of our dear followers here on the, on the Barroom Network who come in here to talk about sports and get away from the pressures, I think they need to hear it too. So I hope that they will join us. I was watching the numbers as when you, when Stephen, when you started talking about this topic, I saw the numbers dwindle away because people didn't want to hear about the bad news that was going on. But I urge those people to give us some time to share some information and opinions about what is going on in our communities. And I think that they will find that we are all like-minded. We want peace. We want uh, uh, prejudice and the idea of white supremacy to go away. And the only way that we can begin to start that is by having honest conversations about it, have honest dialogue about it. And so this is not the first time nor the last time that we've talked about this topic, and we will continue to do so. And I applaud you, Stephen, and I applaud Ken. You've been uh, one of the leaders in, uh, 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 in getting this done. And speaking of Ken, here he is right now. Ken, how are you? God bless you, brother. Hi, how are you? I, I just want to – <clears throat> Stephen, thank you very much for your sentiments uh, tonight. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, Aldo, uh, thank you for giving me some time for uh, tonight. Uh, really appreciate that as well. I uh, want to thank everybody uh, for their kind sentiments on Twitter, uh, from my uncle and aunt. Um, and uh, Nomad, we're here for those conversations as well. Yes. So um, I want to thank you all very much for, uh, and although your, your very great words about, uh, about the fact that why we started this show and why we're going to continue to talk about it. And Stephen, um, we're going to talk about it as well. But um, Stephen, thank you very much. Uh, Aldo, thank you. Um, I just want to thank the viewers out there for, I know that, uh, as I don't know if you heard, but we have a little bit of a thunderstorm out here in Rhode Island. So, um, but uh, thank you very much for all of the sentiments and, um, you know, hopefully I'll be back in two weeks. I, I will say that I did see a video of my uncle today. He looks great. Uh, <clears throat> um, my, my aunt, uh, being the very feisty person she was, was very proud to show off her bullet wound. <laughs> um, that, that's her, um, you know, she's just that's the way she is. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, um, I, I'm, I'm thankful that we both, we have her here. I, I feel very, I, I just feel so, uh, so, uh, I just don't know what to say to the, to the victims of the people in Buffalo. Uh, also to the doctor who was killed yesterday in the church, who was trying to save people as well. 
And to anyone who has uh, gone through this, um, you, you, as I was saying to somebody else, you don't think it affects you until it happens. And, uh, you know, to get the word yesterday about my uncle and aunt from my cousin after I left work yesterday, um, I was driving. Um, I answered the car, the, the phone through CarPlay, and I thought I was going to drive off the road. So um, it's, it's something you never want to hear. Uh, but I, I, I th I'm thankful that of the news that um, about my uh, aunt and uncle that, that they're fine. And I know that we have a show coming up, so I, I better get off the air. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to give it back to you guys. But thank you very much and giving me the time uh, for tonight. Really appreciate it all, though. And Stephen, we'll see you in two weeks. You got it, brother. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate you coming tonight on short notice. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, you heard from Ken. Um, I really appreciate everybody for coming on and having these, uh, you know, conversations, no matter how tough it is. And uh, hopefully we all learn from each other. And uh, as much as we enjoy talking sports, obviously there are sometimes that uh, issues that we cannot ignore, no matter how hard we try. On that note, uh, I want to close the uh, the double A team tonight. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we will see you in two weeks. Hopefully, we'll see you then again. So long, everybody. <laughs>